0: Welcome to the very first episode of our brand new podcast, Now and Then, the Flatow Academy Theater. Wait, 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 wait. That's just not going to work. This is the first episode. We can't just start with that rather subdued opening. We need something way more flashy. How about this? The Academy Theatre. Much better. Now we can begin. Welcome to our very first installment of this project that we hope will be a monthly tribute to this treasure that we have in our midst. And just who is this silver-tongued devil behind the microphone? Tis I, tis I, Randy Reed, your congenial host for what we hope will be a long and successful run delving into the now and then of this wonderful building. Now, I may be the host of this little shindig, but I am by no means the star of the show. The real celebrity here is the Academy Theater, the grand old dame on Lindsay Street. The Academy Theater had its grand opening on January the 5th, 1893, which makes it older than Carnegie Hall, Massey Hall, and the Royal Alex. When it opened, it had a seating capacity of just over 900 people, which is quite incredible when you think about it, since the population of Lindsay in the 1890s was just over 6,000. To put that into perspective, imagine you lived in a city of one million and someone decided to erect a concert hall with seating for 150,000. During this first episode, you will hear much more about the building of this beauty, along with what it takes to keep the old girl functioning, and what can we, as loyal patrons, expect to see coming up in the future. You will hear history, interviews, opinions, gags, ghost stories. Holy, it's a wonder you're not paying a cover charge for this stuff. I have had a long and varied relationship with the theater dating back to the late 1960s. I'll be sharing more of my memories as we go along. Member of our now and then family. She has seen it all, folks, and there's no one else in the whole wide world that can help us understand the history of the Academy Theater better than our own resident ghost, Mary. Welcome, my dear.
1: Oh, Randy, I am so pleased to be here and to be a part of whatever this is. I'm not quite sure what a podcast is, but I'm sure it'll be fun.
0: Well, we are thrilled that you've agreed to be part of this project. I know that you, as a rule, don't talk to real live people.
1: You are so right. I chat with my fellow spirits at the theater, but normally I don't say boo. (laughs) Oh, please forgive me. I can't pass up the opportunity to inject a good ghost joke every once in a while.
0: Very cute, Mary. I was wondering if we could begin by you telling us how you became involved with the Academy Theater.
1: Well, when the theater opened in 1893, it had three coal furnaces to heat the building. My dear husband Jacob and I were hired on to keep these furnaces pumping out the heat. We also did general maintenance throughout the building. They gave us a small flat on the top floor of the building, so we were always on call to help with whatever needed to be done. One day, as I was descending the narrow staircase from our flat, I tripped, and I fell down the stairs. I unfortunately broke my neck and died, but I surely wasn't ready to leave Jacob or my home, so I stuck around the place in spirit form. I've been there ever since.
0: Wow, that's amazing that you've been able to keep inhabiting the place even after that tragic fall.
1: Oh, I loved the building so much I just couldn't leave. When it first opened, people would come from miles around to take in the shows and marvel at this beautiful structure. Everyone was quite amazed that such an impressive place could be built in the small town of Lindsay.
0: When many folks think of a building being haunted by ghosts, they get quite nervous and afraid. But you've never been known as a ghost who scares people.
1: Oh, my, no. I still so much enjoy my life at the theater. But I must admit, I'm a bit of a practical joker. I take great pleasure in making myself known by moving things from rooms or adjusting the lighting from time to time. But I never think of doing anything that would scare folks. I just try and keep everyone in, um, good spirits. Sorry, there I go again.
0: Well, thank you, Mary. We look forward to hearing from you as this project progresses. Another person that we're hoping is going to be a regular contributor to this project is a friend. He is a freelance writer as well as the local historian around here. He's been here his whole life, and I'm very pleased that he has agreed to be part of this. His name is Ian McKechnie, and I had the pleasure of chatting with him about the actual building of the theater in a small room at St. Andrew's Church not long ago. We're here with Ian McKechnie. Um, I'm going to ask you a very simple question. How did... Lindsay, Ontario, with a small population of just over 6,000 people in the 1890s, end up with such a world class theater as the Academy?
2: Well, most communities in southern Ontario in the 19th century had some form of public entertainment space an opera house, uh, live theater. We have to remember this is many, many decades before television and, and radio. Um, began providing entertainment for people in Lindsay um, from 1863 until the through the end of 1892 when the Academy was um, completed local citizens enjoyed musical and theatrical performances in what was called the Lindsay Opera House and the Opera House was located on the second floor of the Lindsay Town Hall at 180 Kent Street West um, and and it was located in what's called Queens Square and that building uh, was the Town Hall right up through Amalgamation and is now home to the Chamber of Commerce, Economic Development Department, and other offices.
0: So who actually spearheaded the, the, the arrival of this wonderful place?
2: So in the spring of 1892, a gentleman named R.J. Matchett, who worked as the station agent for the, on the Midland Railway and later the Grand Trunk Railway, he collaborated with a fellow called Fred Nolson, who was the clerk treasurer for the town of Lindsay. And they began doing some research and some um, making some contacts and eventually procuring a piece of land where the Academy Theater was eventually built. And it,
0: it it's at its present corner, obviously, but how did they end up with that particular location?
2: It may have been, the land may have been available um, for purchase. Um, there obviously may not have been anything on it. If there was something on it, it would have had to have been removed to make way for this new theatre. It's kind of an unusual um, location. And I, I quote from the late Ray Fleming, who um, was a local historian of, uh, of note for, for over 40 years. And he, uh, he wrote, I've often wondered why the founding fathers who raised the money and hired the architect for the academy didn't situate the theater, um, come music hall, directly at the end of Kent Street, where you could look right down on it. So instead, uh, Ray wrote, the Academy plays Peekaboo with drivers and pedestrians coming into view only as one approaches Lindsay Street. And what a vista that might have created had it been right at the foot of Kent Street.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And who designed the, uh, the building?
2: The academy was designed by an architect named William Blackwell, and he was born in 1850 in Lakefield, and he, he died in 1937 and spent most of his career in Peterborough. And
0: he began his career early on, I suppose, but how how would he have been chosen for, for this particular project?
2: Well, he was in his 20s when he started... Um, work as an architect he apprenticed with a fellow named Walter Strickland in Toronto and then later he went to Winnipeg and worked there for about um, four or five years and then in 1880 he went down to New York City and while he was in New York he would have been exposed to a lot of the magnificent public and entertainment architecture in that city and then by 1884 he had come back to Peterborough and started his own practice
0: so Blackwell designed the, the theater, and uh, give me an idea of what
2: what his vision was for the theater. So when Blackwell approached this project, he would have probably, again, from his experience in New York, possibly out in, in Winnipeg, but certainly Toronto and New York, he would have been exposed to a style of architecture known as Richardsonian Romanesque. And... That was named after an american architect named henry hobson richardson who was born 1838 and died in 1886 a few years before the academy was completed and the richardsonian romanesque style um, was very grand it was characterized by usually brick uh, or stone sometimes brick and stone construction the the massing or the sort of the facade uh, was usually symmetrical um, the, the style included a lot of decorative gables, turrets, pinnacles, details like that. And especially prominent were arches and archways. And the style drew on ancient Byzantine and Roman architecture, which in turn was used in temples, churches, cathedrals. Um, a lot of public and government buildings were designed in this uh, this particular style.
0: So around, uh, around Ontario we would see other examples of this type of thing?
2: Yeah, um, many longtime residents in Lindsay and Kawartha Lakes will remember going into the post office on Kent Street to to mail a letter or or pick up a parcel. And that post office had a tower in the corner, but also a lot of these very um, large arched windows, um, a lot of decorative sort of pinnacles and things. It was a a Romanesque building. Unfortunately, it was torn down in the 1960s um, to make way for a new post office, Um, but if you go to a a city like Toronto, um, a lot of the buildings on uh, the University of Toronto campus, uh, University College for instance, um, and then a few blocks away, the old Toronto City Hall, these are Romanesque buildings, and probably the most prominent for Ontarians are the legislative buildings at Queen's Park.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I think that those are well known to a lot of people. Um, when the theatre was originally built, um, has it been uh, significantly changed over the years?
2: Yes, so I saw, came across an architectural drawing that suggested that when it was originally planned, Mr. Blackwell wanted to incorporate more of the typical Richardsonian, Romanesque features into it. So, uh, as planned, the main entrance was to have been a little bit wider, It was an arched entrance, kind of a breezeway that you would go into. And the second floor windows uh, were all to have been arched in sort of typical Romanesque um, fashion. But really the academy as it was designed and as we sort of know it today would be described as being sort of a simplified version of Richardsonian Romanesque. And the centermost portion of its Lindsay Street facade is probably the defining feature so there you have a prominent gable you have little um, pinnacles they're called on either side of that gable there's an arch over the third floor windows and until they renovated the building in the early 1960s there was that arch i mentioned a moment ago that you would you would walk through Um, so there was a lot that um, certainly changed at least on the lower level um, when the 1963-64 renovation happened um, to, to kind of modernize the theater.
0: Which we'll be talking a lot about later on. Um, the inside of the theater, to me, is fascinating. When it first opened, it sat up to 900 patrons. That is just that mind-boggling to me because the seating capacity now is just over, I think, 550, something like that. So tell
2: us about the inside. So when patrons entered the Academy of Music, as it was then called, we have mm-hmm. to re- recall that until probably the 1930s, the building was called the Academy of Music, um, because it was used also for, for opera and musical concerts as well. Right. And patrons entering through that arched breezeway, they would go through um, a pair of doors that when you go into the theatre now would be approximately where the tile floor meets the carpet. Okay. Um, as you're going in left or right into yep. the auditorium, yep. So you go through those doors, and then there were a couple of flights of stairs that went up to the second second floor, and that's where you had a, a wraparound gallery. Um, we're recording this today at St. Andrew's Church, which also sports a wraparound gallery, yep. And this was designed so that um, people could get up and right up close and personal with the action as possible. Exactly. Um, so the down, um, the wraparound gallery stretched halfway into the auditorium, and it could seat almost 400 patrons, which is still a considerable number. It was terraced, so there'd be seating on different levels. There were private boxes that were down closer to the stage, so if you wanted to pay a little bit of extra money, you could be right there overlooking stage left and stage right, respectively.
0: Like the royal boxes kind of thing?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine that you know on opening night um, people who were on the like, you know founding board members prominent citizens local dignitaries politicians might have occupied that space the seating um, sported the seating was folding so the chairs could fold up when you were done as is typical in most theaters and they had hat racks on them so that uh, ladies sitting down could deposit their their hats which <laughs> were quite large at the time um, and you mentioned um, the seating capacity has changed uh, over the years with renovations. It's gone down to, from about 900 down to 600, and now it's just a, approximately 540, I believe.
0: Right, yeah. It's quite amazing. It, it is really quite an amazing story about how the whole thing came about. Um, an irate patron, you have got a letter from, from an irate patron who wrote
2: a letter to the ed- editor of the local paper Yeah, so on April 27th, 1893, so this is just a few months into the theater's existence, they've been hosting um, performers from out of town, there may have been some local um, performances, Uh, they were attracting good crowds, and uh, then, as now, if I I might say... um, The psychology of the back gallery was such that that seems to be where people who were particularly rowdy would (laughs) find themselves. With all due respect, um, there's something I guess about being kind of up high, um, at the back, maybe out of sight, out of mind. The cheap seats. The cheap seats, that sort of um, makes people feel that they can act in ways that maybe they wouldn't if they were down (laughs) in the more dignified orchestra. So on April 27th, a letter appeared in uh, one of the local papers and the, the editor was, uh, the letter writer was aiming this at the um, directors or managers of the, the theater and he writes, or possibly she, it's not, uh, it's not clear as to who. Sir, some effort should at once be made by the directors or managers of our new Academy of Music to prevent the disgraceful conduct of the street rowdies who occupy the gallery in that building during every performance. Reasonable applause is, of course, allowable, but the whistling, shouting, stamping, and actual blackguardism, which makes for the time a pandemonium of the place, should no longer be tolerated. (laughs) Should be no longer tolerated. Vile conduct which would not be permitted in the public streets is here allowed to disturb and disgust respectable pa- persons who would like to patronize the theater. An example should be promptly made of those who go there to indulge in ruffianism of any kind, and in violation of the rights of orderly attendance proper energy and determination should soon put an end to rowdyism and unless the strong arm of the law is used to control the rabble who go there to revel the so called academy of music will become a nuisance and a place to be shunned by decent families signed (laughs) propriety (laughs) that's wonderful oh my
0: god that is just great Uh, Ian uh, last question before I let you go Um, back then Um, Obviously, people would come from the town of Lindsay. They would also come up from other spots. I mean, there there was a rail line from Port Hope. Uh, There was the mill workers, that kind of thing in town. Where did this
2: theater draw its its, uh, people from? I think it's fair to say that uh, they would have come from all over. Um, So at that point, Lindsay is the county seat for the entire, what was then, Victoria County. Victoria County. And by 1893, as you said, there were rail connections to Port Hope, rail connections to Peterborough, Toronto, Whitby. Um, There were rail connections to Halliburton. Mm -hmm. Um, The connection to Bob Cajun would come about 10 or 12 years later. But uh, people would come, you know, from the north, south, east and west by rail, also by horse and buggy. Uh, in the warmer months, they might have come down from Bob Cajun and Fenland Falls by boat and then get off at the docks just below us here, right. go up the hill, and there's the theatre. There it is, yeah. Um, so it was, certainly, it, it was certainly then, as now, going to the theatre was an outing, it was an occasion. It wasn't something that you did sort of on the cheap, which is why, you know, the person who wrote that letter was obviously so upset. Exactly, exactly.
0: This has been fascinating. Thank you so much for spending some time with us, and we will obviously hear from you, hopefully on a monthly basis. All right, I look forward to it. Switching gears from the history of the theater to the now part of our podcast, we are going to visit the actual theater itself, and chat with the general manager, Mr. Craig Metcalf. All right, in what we uh, expect to be a regular feature of our podcast, we are going to discuss the day to day running of the Academy Theater and the upcoming events. To that end, we are w- very pleased to welcome Mr. Craig Metcalf, who is the general manager of the theater. And I would like to say hello to you and welcome aboard. Hi, Randy. Thanks for uh, for
3: having me uh, as part of your podcast.
0: We're very pleased. Very pleased. Um, all kinds of stuff going on at the theater. But before we get into that, can we talk a little bit about you and about your background and, and that type of thing?
3: Sure. As uh, uninteresting as it is, absolutely.
0: <laughs> uh, where are you from originally? Are you a local boy?
3: I'm from Aurelia. Okay. And. Um, I left after high school, like most people do, leave their small communities. But I eventually did come back, and I still live there. Right. Um, And just uh, drive here every day for the job.
0: Wow, a little bit of a commute.
3: Yeah, it's not bad, it's not bad. Yeah,
0: well, that's good. And your background leading up to this particular job?
3: Um, Yeah, I started out in special events. My very first job was with, uh, with an organization called Music Fest Canada which uh, is, uh, it's still in existence, it's a non-profit organization that specializes in music education and uh, has regional festivals across the country and a national uh, event annually, which used to see up to 8,000 kids, I'm not sure how many they they see now, but that was my very first job and my very first taste of culture, Right, Uh, and uh, it became a career.
0: Good, that's great. And how long have you been here now?
3: I've been here uh, since January of 2020, two okay. months before we shut down. I was going to say, yeah, right, for your
0: timing yeah. is, is impeccable. Yeah. yeah. Um, Flatto Flatto involvement in the theater obviously has been a significant step. Can you tell me just a little bit about how that has worked for you?
3: Sure. Uh, g- well, going back um, uh, uh, a year or so, I started conversations with Flato's staff because uh, they also sponsor the Flato Markham Theatre. Right. And uh, we knew that they were developing uh, in the city of Kawartha Lakes, and uh, so we sought out a a connection um, with them. And uh, working with the board, we were able to put together a 15-year naming sponsorship deal for the theatre. Um, as w- you likely know, the theatre does not receive any municipal operating funding and um, we're one of the few independent theatres in, in the left in the province. So it was important to find a place to backfill that money that we might be able to receive, we should be receiving from the municipality and Flato uh, fits that need. It's still only twenty percent of our operating budget. We couldn't live without it, but uh, it's great. But um, we still depend on other donations and, of course, our self-generated revenue.
0: Sure, and I imagine with the with the age and the size of the building, I mean, even the day-to-day stuff, it, it must be a costly operation to keep keep going.
3: It's uh, it's a barn, and lots <laughs> of these old theaters are, and they yeah. cost a lot of money to yeah. to to operate. Um, we're paying a lot more attention now to uh, capital improvements and, and repairs. There's lots of things in this building that have uh, had to go um, uh, unaddressed, and uh, b- next summer we'll be replacing the ramp and the load the exit ramp and loading ramp on the north side of the building with funding from the Chest Fund and from Flato. Um, but we've done we're every, we've just redone the house lighting grid, so uh, we've got um, a, a, a better house lighting plot than we've we've had uh, in, in in quite a bit. Um, we're looking we're, we're doing some strategic planning now with the board and looking forward to uh, to what this place can be. Mm-hmm. and not just as a rental venue or a presentation venue but what is the connection to, of the academy theater to the community how can we better communicate with the residents of the city of corth lakes to make sure that their needs are being met with um, with our programming and the other things that we can offer through this theater
0: right a podcast sounds like a great idea. <laughs> uh,
3: that's, a, that's a great first step, that's for sure.
0: We're pleased to have you aboard. Uh, give us an idea. I know you're running into a really busy time. Uh, give us an idea what's coming up.
3: Well, um, we, st- uh, we start this Saturday with, uh, with a band called Simply Queen. That's been on the books pre-COVID. Um, it's been rescheduled and rescheduled, and here we are uh, two and a half years later, finally uh, having that show in the building. But we quickly transition to a really big show. Uh, uh, oh, hang on, I forgot we're not talking about October.
0: That's all right. I can. I can. Okay. no. Nope. Yeah, carry on.
3: So into into November, our first big thing is um, is a group called Cairo. It's uh, it, it's sort of a, a a world music band fronted by flamenco dancers. It's, wow. It's uh, some. It's, it's our attempt to branch out from the usual things that this theater has offered in the past. Our rentals, which include uh, the, a lot of cover bands, uh, plus the things that we present, anything from musicals uh, to uh, country to folk to comedy. This is a step outside that box to prov- provide some, a different cultural experience. We know this is going to be a difficult sell for us in the community, we're hoping to attract schools. We have, I mean, it's essentially uh, with the Ticketmaster box office fee, which we have no control over. It's a three dollar group ticket for 10, uh, 10 or more. Wow, in a group, it's the cheapest thing we could possibly do and offer something mm-hmm. that uh, is not usually seen. Um, in Lindsay,
0: that's great. Are, are they? Will they be doing a matinee kind of thing that would be available to students? They're doing
3: a matinee at uh, one o'clock on November eleventh. Mm-hmm. Um, to uh, if the if we can get those school groups to come out, they get back to school in time to take the buses home. Right. And also, uh, we're doing another show um, that evening. Uh, it would be a $15 ticket. Still very, very reasonable. Very, and yes. uh, I encourage people to go and look at them at, uh, on YouTube and see what uh, um, they'd be seeing here. It's, it's it's quite a production. That's great. Good for you. What else is happening? Um, well, no, uh, November is is a busy month um, uh, for us. We follow that with a rental. Uh, uh, it's called Sin City Illusion. So it's a magic show. And we haven't had one of those uh, in a, in a while, but um, one of the most important things coming up in, in November is we're back to the fall musical. There haven't, hasn't been one here since November of 2019, and we're doing Seussical. So Beth Wilson has stepped up to, mm-hmm. uh, to direct this. There's a, a parts for 45 uh, for actors and dancers and singers. And it will be running um, November twenty fifth, twenty sixth, and twenty seventh. That's and great. We're just thrilled to have the musical back in the in in the building. One of the important things that this theater has done over the years has been an incubator for for talent. So it's it's here that you can come and and practice and stretch out and, uh, and be your artistic best. Um, People like James Barker, for instance, and uh, coming from I.E. Weldon and the I.E. Weldon antics, yes. Um, uh, using this facility. Daryl James from the Strombell is using this facility in both going on to uh, Juno-nominated and Juno-winning careers. Sure. It's uh, quite spectacular what this theatre has been able to help develop... Uh, over the
0: years that's great we um, we're looking forward to Susical I was in the last time Susical was done here mm-hmm. was about 15 or 16 years ago and I was in the pit band for that ah. and uh, Beth Wilson was in the show and we'll be having more on on Susical actually later in this podcast so stick around for that um, I know you also have um, a drama festival coming up in um, the early part of November? That's the
3: November 4th and 5th, uh, the Eastern Ontario Drama League. Yeah, um, That's a rental for us. Um, I don't have a great deal of information uh, about that, but I know it's... Uh, uh, being organized by Erastus Burley from the Pi Eyed Monk. Yes. So yes I'm gonna uh, be talking to Erastus actually. Because oh, yeah. we're we're happy to have them of course uh, yeah that'll be really well. interesting.
0: Yeah. And and kids coming from all over the place for yes. that. So yeah. that's wonderful. Terrific. All right, thank you Craig. We will touch base with you soon and uh, looking forward to talking talking to you on a regular basis. Well
3: I look forward to it as well. Thanks Randy. Thank you.
0: When the theater first opened in 1893, and for the first 20 or so years, it was home to vaudeville. Vaudeville was the entertainment of the day. It consisted mainly of variety shows that traveled from city to city, town to town, all over North America. Vaudeville consisted of traveling, entertainment, variety shows. And the lineups usually were very eclectic. You had jugglers, you had acrobats, comedians, singers, you name it, you would find them on vaudeville shows. The shows would come up from Port Hope on the train and they would spend a day or two or sometimes a week entertaining folks at the Academy Theater for the unbelievable price of 50 cents per head. People enjoyed this type of entertainment. It was always clean. The whole family could attend. And it was huge box office hits.
4: Miss Mamie Lee was for a while. She never missed a game. And rain or shine, mother's angel child would be there just the same. She loved a picture called Spitball Mike with all of her girlies views. And every time they called out right, she threw to him.
0: That clip was from a most famous lady who performed on the vaudeville circuit from very early childhood. Her name was Elsie Janis. She was born in Columbus, Ohio in 1889, and in her early years entertained under the name of Little Elsie. When vaudeville shows were brought to the Academy Theater, Elsie was part of a troupe that ventured up here this way to entertain the local folks. Thanks to the magic of podcasting, we've been able to contact Elsie through our good buddy Mary, the Academy Ghost, and we welcome her to our show. Very nice to meet you, Miss Janice.
1: Oh, please. Call me Elsie. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: It's so great to have you with us. Can you recall your early days in vaudeville and anything you might remember about your trip to Lindsay?
1: Well, my mother started me at a very young age, performing all over the place, anywhere where I could gain experience as an entertainer. When I came to Lindsay, I was part of a vaudeville gang. It included singers and and dancers, comedians, acrobats, all sorts of other talented folk. My act included singing and dancing, along with some comedy and impressions. As I recall, we took the train from a little place called Port Hope, And I was very impressed with the tiny farms and friendly people we met when we finally arrived in Lindsay. I was quite struck with how this gorgeous theater ended up in such a small, out-of-the-way place like Lindsay. The amenities and acoustics were wonderful, as I recall. It was a joy to entertain there. We performed there for a few days and then hopped the train onto the next stop.
0: You went on to become a huge star. You appeared in Broadway shows, several films and you were best known for your war efforts during the First World War. In fact, your nickname became the Sweetheart of the AEF, the American Expeditionary Force.
1: Oh, my, yes. Oh, I felt so badly that our boys had to go to Europe to fend off the threat to the European people. I spent quite a bit of time performing for the troops over there. I guess I became the predecessor to what Bob Hope did during World War II. I actually did a show with Bob at the start of the Second World War, I suppose it was like passing the torch to him.
0: Well, Elsie, it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing some time with us. That's pretty special to be able to hear from Elsie. The vaudeville circuit was so important to the Academy Theater in the early years. We're going to be doing a lot more in future podcasts about vaudeville and how it changed and developed, grew and some of the future performers that came to Lindsay during that time. Coming up in... Um, November at the Academy Theatre is a very special event, and here to talk about it is the general manager of the Pie-Eyed Monk, among other things, but he's taking off that hat and putting on his theatre producer hat. We're very pleased to welcome Mr. Erastus Burley. Welcome.
5: Thanks so much for having me here. I'm really excited to chat with you today.
0: Pleasure. Tell us about the special event happening.
5: So I'm a member of uh, a number of community theatres here in Ontario, and i uh, of course, because of how the, the pandemic impacted live uh, music, the arts, performance, uh, theatre, um, the association that I'm a member of, the uh, Eastern Ontario Drama League, the EODL, hasn't had an opportunity to uh, produce their annual one-act festival. Uh, so we've decided to move forward. Um, Creative Force Theatre, the group that I run, volunteered to host the event here in Lindsay at the Academy Theatre on November 4th and 5th.
0: That's wonderful. How many people would be involved in that?
5: Well, there are nine participating groups, uh, nine community groups from across eastern Ontario, um, and some of the shows have a number of cast members, uh, as many as 12 or 15, plus a crew. Uh, so there could be potentially 100, maybe 125 people involved throughout those nine groups. Terrific. And how, how do the, the um, community
0: theater groups actually um, get to this point?
5: So they have to submit an application to participate in the festival. Um, This is one of two festivals that the EODL produces. They produce the one-act festival where the adjudicator will come... To the festival uh, theater and watch all of the performances, and then the other festival that they do in the spring is not a traveling festival. Um, it's where the adjudicator would then go to the host theater in their community and see, you know, the the kind of the full production with lights, sounds, costumes, and all the production. Um, the one we're hosting here is more of a performance-based event. Um, Shows have to be a minimum of 25 minutes long to a maximum of 55 minutes, and it's mostly performance-based. You're not going to see a lot of big uh, production sets and fancy costumes. That's great. That's wonderful. And it's open to the public? It is open to the public, absolutely.
4: And where
0: can people get tickets?
5: They can visit either the Academy Theatre website or they can go to ticketmaster.ca where tickets are available. Uh, Each group uh, or each session has three shows. There's one on Friday. Then there's a Saturday afternoon session with three shows and then a Saturday evening session with three shows. And tickets are approximately $30 and you get to see three performances in that session. Wonderful. That's great.
0: Um, Thank you very much for coming in. I appreciate your time and we're looking forward to seeing it.
5: Thanks for having me.
0: Is thrilled that later on in November, live theater in the form of a fall musical is returning to the Academy Theater after being away for about three years. The fall musical has a hugely long tradition at the Academy Theater. We've seen all sorts of productions and they always feature terrific local talent. This year, for the first time in a long time, they're doing the great show, Susical. And I had a chance to spend some time with uh, the cast and crew at a couple of rehearsals. And I've got to say, you've got to go and see this show. It is just wonderful. We're here with my friend Beth Wilson, the director of Seussical this year. Directorial debut. (laughs) How are you?
6: I'm doing really well, yeah. Good. We're we're in a really good place with the show. That's
0: That's great. We're so excited that live theater is coming back in the fall. And that's wonderful. Yes. Um, the transition from acting to directing, <laughs> how do you find that?
6: You know, it's it's literally two different sides of the fence. Sometimes I watch and I see all of the fun things that they're doing, especially with Elena's choreography, and I think, oh, I want to be up there doing that. But then to be part of such a wonderful team um, who's able to, think of those things and then kind of make them come to life on stage is actually really fascinating i really like that
0: part oh that's good that's good good. Mm -hmm. um your cast is wonderful um lots of kids yes lots of um veteran actors (laughs) nice mix
6: yeah lots of people who have come full circle too so i look at say meg morrison and um sydney howard jones who are both in it as as lead principal characters but that one of the first times I met them, you know, they were about five and seven years old. And now, like, now they're leading it. And they're leading by example to a new generation of people coming up. But it was really exciting, even at auditions, to see the amount of kids who would really come out and want to be a part of something like that. Yeah. And you're right, people who came back who haven't been in the theater for a little while. So lots wow. of surprises in store.
4: It's, it's great. Good. We're yeah.
6: looking
0: forward to it. <laughs> see you see shortly.
6: Yes. Thanks, Randy. Bye.
0: Beth is terrific. I've known Beth for a number of years, and she's a very talented lady. While I was at one of the rehearsals, I had a chance to talk to five young men who in the cast are known as the cadets, very important parts, and uh, they were very excited to be in the show, so I want to play a little bit of
4: that. Uh, My name is Tommy. I'm eight, and I go to Alexandria Public School. Uh,
1: I'm Colby Avery, I am 10 years old, and I go to Parkview Public School. I am Oscar, and I'm 10 years old, and I go to Mariposa Public School. My name is Jude, and I'm 6 years old, and I go to Parkview Panthers
4: School. Hey, my name is Owen, I'm 11, and I go to Parkview Panthers.
0: Perfect. And how are you guys enjoying the show so far?
4: Pretty good. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah.
0: Have any of you been in a show like this before?
4: Uh, no. 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 Not really. No. What's not really. the
0: What's the very best part so far?
4: Oh, uh, so far I think it was I like oh. having my own mind when I go out there just now. Yeah. you Be, can Being a cadet.
0: You like that? Yeah.
4: Probably. Yeah. Well, that's good. The experience is the
0: best part. Absolutely. Yeah. South, well, have fun. Thanks for talking to me, guys. You can get your tickets through the Academy website or at the box office. You've got to see this show. It is lots of fun for the entire family, and I know you will enjoy it. Being the first episode, there were a lot of things that had to be done to prepare for this. One of the things that we've been working hard on Our uh, social media get-togethers, thanks to the hard work of my new friend, William McGinn, we have set up a web page, we have set up an email address, we've set up a Facebook account, an Instagram account, it's amazing. So I'm going to give you the information now because what we're hoping is going to happen is we want to hear from you. We want you to tell us about your memories and stories of the Academy Theater, and we will share some of them on the air in future months. So our website is nowandthenpodcast.wordpress.com, and on there you will see a contact section where you can actually tell your stories. You can also contact us through an email address that is now up and running, nowandthenpodcast2020 at gmail.com. And I'll give you that again, nowandthenpodcast20 at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you because we know that there are lots of stories and memories out there about this great building. We are also going to be asking to find sponsors for this ongoing project. This is something that we feel very strongly about, and we are looking for people who will help us out. If you wish to sponsor or know someone that might be interested in doing so, please contact either by email or on the website. That would be wonderful. I have so many people to thank. Going to the end of this, our first episode, I want to thank the Boys and Girls Club of the City of Cortha Lakes for letting us uh, rent the studio here. And my producer engineer friend, Warren Frank, for doing all kinds of work on this for us. William, again, I'll mention again, our social media guru. I will mention Renee Frank, Ian McKechnie, Craig Metcalf, Erastus Burley, the cast at Susical, so many people. So thank you very much for listening. We will see you again in December. December's episode will feature lots of Christmas things that are going on at the theater and some Christmas memories as well. So join us then for the next episode of Now and Then Flatow Academy Theater. My name is Randy Reed. Please support live entertainment and the arts. It is very important.
4: (music) ¶¶